Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Big Footy Podcast. We are once again attempting to reinvent what has been a sporadic project at best previously, other than, of course, when our good friend, the prosecutor, was running it. I am, of course, your host, Sponsor 34, and this joined this evening by the most modest member of the Big Footy Board, and that is Jade. How are you? Going all right. Did, uh, trying to... Uh restart or recast i mean the reality is it hasn't worked because i haven't been involved too much before i mean so i think you're off to offline start now i believe you actually hosted or did the introduction of the last time we tried to do this yeah i think it was if i recall correctly i actually think it might have been a bit of a rant about carton carlton which uh i'm happy to say has been proven true over the course of time so um yeah i i i believe you might be right i will certainly touch on carlton shortly after the uh the wonderful results that we saw on Sunday. Um, but before we do that, let's throw back a week prior. We'll head back to the Anzac Day game. I was there. I know you were there because I was waving to you, even though you couldn't see me. Just how good was it to be back at the MCG with 85,000 people watching us and actually manage to win one for once? I don't, um, I, I don't think I quite understood how much I'd missed being able to go to the game and particularly, you know, events like Anzac Day uh, until I actually got to, uh, well, to, to be fair, it was probably getting to the pub in Richmond beforehand. And, you know, you, you get into that that um, that habit and that vibe and that environment of uh, of going to the footy again. So that was, that was a plus. You know, getting back into the MCG, which is a, a first, you know, for me, I'd suggest it was probably 18 months um, since I'd been uh, there for the footy. Was was amazing, uh, you know. What probably my only complaint uh, about it was, uh, under normal circumstances, uh, you know, my, my seats at the game are effectively well, not effectively, they're sitting on the fence uh, for Anzac Day. But um, with the the ticketing system, as it were, this year, I, I literally ended up in the in the last row of the uh, of the stands. Um, and I've got to tell you, climbing those stairs to get up there has reminded me how unfit I am. So that was uh, that was a bit of fun for me, but. Um, no, it was it was really good, and, and obviously the game itself was, was was fantastic. And I think you know I, I don't think colour me shocked that you uh, you have a a pick five in the draft taken as a pure midfielder, and when you start giving him game time where he should be playing, uh, and all of a sudden he's got I think it was from memory somewhere in the forty two disposals and eleven score involvements and some. You know, insane number of clearances. So uh, yeah, very enjoyable. It was good to see us challenged a couple of times and look I understand that Collingwood aren't, aren't going particularly well at the moment so you know it's not um it's not as if we've we've gone and you know and given Richmond a flogging or, or anything like that but um it, it was good to see us get challenged and a young side to respond and you know actually actually be able to stop uh, a run of goals and forge on ahead themselves so yeah but it was it was brilliant loved it well I must admit I have uh, managed to sit in the back row myself. I actually sat there for the 2015 World Cup final between Australia and New Zealand. So I think it was probably a better experience to do that for the football than when you, I was trying to see the little white ball in the middle of the MCG. Um, but having said that, I was also towards the back for the exact day game, although I do believe we are going to get our reserve seats back um, within a couple of rounds. So that will, that's good news for Bomber fans out there. Just touching on Darcy Parrish's performance. Now, Ethan will probably have a, a, way, a look at this to correct me and tell me that I'm wrong. But I do believe only Barry Davis in 1969 with 43 disposals has had more possessions in an Essendon game than Darcy Parrish. Obviously, I'm talking about Essendon players. Swanee probably put up 46 at some point against us. So, so I think Darcy's performance was actually the second most disposals ever. The only other one to get 42 was a man by the name of Michael Thompson 
against St Kilda in 1983 in a 47-point win. And I must admit, I have never heard of him before. No, neither have I. But, yeah, 42 touches. It's absolutely amazing for Darst there. He's absolute leather poisoning. Uh, coming into the game, and it, it was the complete performance from a midfielder. I mean, not only did he have the the 42 touches, but I think there was two goals uh, in there as well. One in the first, and one in the last. It, it was just a it was a complete domination. It was funny you should mention Swanee. I, I'd suspect that you know D- Dane Swan and, and James Hurd are probably the only two players that you would you would suggest have had as dominant uh, an Anzac Day before. So it was a it was a, a brilliant performance, and uh, it just just goes to show you know if, if you have faith. And look, I understand Parrish is in his in, in his fourth or fifth year at the moment but you have faith in these guys these talented kids to to actually uh, take some responsibility for game performance and and they they can surprise you so absolutely brilliant just to follow up on the stats for the darcy parish 42 disposals joe watson's best was 41 he had 41 in a 48 point win over collingwood in 2008 i don't believe that was anzac day i think that was the return game and zach Merritt's best is also 41 disposals which he had against Hawthorne in 2018 in a four-point loss. Other Eston players to get 41, Jason Johnson did it. And, of course, Joe Mesiti did it in that 2000 qualifying when we managed to beat North Melbourne by just under 21 goals. So mm-hmm. that sort of tells you just how impactful Darcy was on, the, on that game. But there is another bloke I think that was pretty handy on Anzac Day, and he certainly seems to be getting a lot of flack on the board. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and that is Dyson Neppler, who did manage to also have 29 touches that day and, and took 13 marks. And I think is is probably been underrated just how important he is to our backline at the moment. I think uh, I think as far as Dyson's concerned, and look, I don't, I don't want to speak for for everyone. I think that there's this expectation that injuries have taken a toll on him. You know, he's he's lost that yard of pace and, and is therefore, according to the opinions of Sun, is probably bordering you know, on best 22 at the moment. But the reality is, since he's been back from injury, barring you know, a, f- a few minor hiccups. He- he's playing quite well. And, you know, you've got a player that's that's obviously now been around uh, for some, t- some time, is very smart, tends to use the ball well. I, I would suggest is-, is actually looking forward to and enjoying, you know, being a leader on field, not just off field now. So, yeah, I think some of the criticism is a little bit unfair. You know, I'm, I'm keen to see him maintain uh, a good level of form uh, throughout the remainder of the year. And particularly, I'm, I'm-, I'm keen to see him actually play uh, some consistent, Football and and what I mean by that is you know actually actually being on the park for a little bit because I, I you know if if he w- was to suffer you know another six or eight week injury or whatever it is I, I I would suggest you know that probably the injuries are getting the better of him yeah absolutely I mean he only played those three games last year and he really shouldn't have played the 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 two late in the year against West Coast and Geelong that he did because he was clearly still injured um, and then obviously he played round one against Hawthorne missed a couple of rounds and. He has only sort of played that that month of football in a row. So I think, though, you're right. I think his form when he's been in this year has been good. I think, I know know people say he's lost a yard of pace. My argument is is he was never that quick to begin with. Uh, He certainly was quicker than he is now, but he has always relied, I think, on his mind rather than his his speed through his legs to, to create separation at the contest. So I'm not entirely sure that the lack of speed is hurting him. And I, and I also think maybe as Essendon fans, we've gotten used to, you know, Adam Saad did it, Connor McKenna did it, and, and now Nick Hind is obviously doing it as well. We're used to that speed across the halfback line. But if you look at all the really good sides, they've got the, like, you know, the Luke Hodge type role. They're not quick, but they just know where to be to intercept the ball. They know where to be to get, be the get-out kick. Uh, and, and I think Dyson is doing that for us. And I think maybe... 
because we've been so blessed in having these lightning quick, I mean, even Hibbard beforehand was, was relatively quick when he was coming off our half-back line. I think as Essendon fans, we, we probably underestimate the, the slower, more calming approach to the half-back line that, that Dyson brings. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. And I think the, the other advantage you've got with having him down there is if you, you look at our list and particularly our back line at the moment with, you know, Hooker's playing up forward, Hurley is obviously out with, with his issues at the moment. We're playing a very young uh, de- defensive line. And, you, you know, you're talking about players that have one year, two year, three years on the list. I mean, Jordan Ridley, who's still very young, is effectively a veteran in that back, in that back line now. Um, so I think having a player, you know, just with that experience, with those smarts um, back there is important. And look, you know, you might be right in terms of that, you know, that Essendon fans are used to seeing the, that, that, that sort of pace off off halfback. But, I mean, how much benefit did we get from having um, uh, James Kelly running around out, down there for, for two or three years? It's just it's, it's telling when you have these smart, um, you know, quick of mind players uh, in, your, in your defensive line. So, look, I'm, I'm happy for him to, um, to continue playing. I, I certainly uh, disagree with, uh, with those people that have expressed the view that, you know, that he's not, that he's not best 22. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring for the rest of the year. I, I, just on, on Dyson Heppel as well, I, I suspect, and I don't think this would be a surprise to anyone, he's probably in his last year as captain. Uh, I, I would suggest that, you know, if, if Merritt were to re-sign, that we, you know, we would probably be handing it off to him. If not, I possibly might get another year while we uh, while we develop Pidge as well. But no, look, it, it, it's good to have him back. It's good to have him back, not only in the sense of being in the back line, but back in terms of just having him on field. So yeah, it, it, impressive so far. I hope he keeps it up. The other thing I, I would just add to your point about being a young back line is, is even the blokes who have been at the club for a number of years now in, in Laverde and, and Stewart, I mean, they are supposedly going to be the linchpins of this back line moving forward. They don't have a hell of a lot of experience down in that back line. They are obviously forward line players that we've repurposed. And, and like Patrick Ambrose, when we repurposed him, they are doing well. But yeah, I, I just like to, I think I'd just add there that, that Heppel's experience will also be helping them immensely. But um, we'll move on from, from speaking about Heppel specifically. We will talk about Sunday's game. Now, obviously, we did lose to Carlton. But one of the standouts, I think, from the weekend, and, and he was definitely a standout on Anzac Day. Is of course been Tipper uh, or Waller, depending on which way you, you want to call his nickname. I was highly critical of him in the first two minutes of the Anzac Day game. Uh, his first effort against Quaynor in that game, I thought, was very ordinary. And since that time, he's, he's literally been on fire. But yeah, so what is it? Nine goals in the last two weeks, and and it was certainly a catalyst in, in why we got so close to, to Carlton on Sunday. One of the more surprising things I saw in, in terms of commentary on uh, on Waller was that that he was having no impact in games, and I, I looked at I looked at that as a as a an analysis, as it were, and I'm going, well, the guy has kicked as, and I think you're right. I think it's nine goals in in two weeks. He's he's hitting the scoreboard. He's he's doing his job. There has certainly been times, and they tend to be isolated, where where I've looked at a couple of his efforts and gone, okay, well, you, you probably could have done a little bit better there. But then for every time he does that, there's another five times within a game, whether it results in a disposal, whether it results in a, in a goal, where it's just his sheer presence in terms of being able to worry the opposition with his pace and his ability to catch people uh, unawares, where he's, he's generating those chances, uh, whether it's for him or, or, or for others. So, uh, look, I would I would suspect he's probably very close to top five in the BNF at the moment. Uh, he's obviously hitting the scoreboard. I mean, uh, he'd be on track for probably 35 or 40 goals 
uh, for the year at this rate. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would think that any criticism there is, is probably a little bit unfounded and misdirected. Yeah, well, he's, I think he at the moment he's, he's averaging nearly three goals a game. Uh, well, I'm not sure if he'll keep that up, but he's definitely on track for that 40-goal that mark that you sort of mentioned, even if he was to drop off slightly. And obviously the other thing he does bring is his tackling. As you said, his presence around the ball, um, even if he's not scoring goals, he's usually chasing people down or harassing and scaring the bejesus out of them when they hear his footsteps running. Um, he, another player like that is obviously Devin Smith, who's been under a little bit of fire on the board as well, whether or not he's best 22. But but I think he's another one that, that on on Saturday, or sorry, on Sunday, we rather, we actually saw, okay, he only got, I think it was about a dozen disposals, but he led the way in tackling, he led the way in harassing, he led the way in the pressure. So I think maybe we're seeing players like him and, and Tipper not necessarily have, you know, 15, 20 touches, but when they are getting the ball, they're doing what's required. And even when they're not, they're still tackling and chasing, harassing. And that's definitely something that, that you need from your forward line. I think um, with Devin Smith, it, it's it's sort of a funny dynamic, I suppose. He he obviously came to us as part of that you know triple uh, triple recruitment blitz that we did, where we brought in both uh, uh, Sard and Stringer as well. Uh, and then obviously in his first year at the club, he's he's a best at Ferris winner. He's breaking um, tackle records in the AFL, and you know I think all of us sort of fell into this. You know this belief that we we had an, an absolute superstar on our hands. You know, and then obviously injury has had its impact. And for me, he does strike me as a player that's very much a consistency-based player. Uh, and what I mean by that is he really does need to play four, five, six, seven weeks in a row before he really starts hitting hitting his straps. But I mean, I think his efforts have been have been great, particularly over the last three or four weeks. You know he's he is hitting the scoreboard as well, uh, similar to Tipper in, in that regard. But again, that 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 pressure that he's bringing, as you uh, as you mentioned, I mean, as as it is right now, I think Essendon is, uh, and I'd have to check check by faxy, but we'd be either the fourth or fifth highest highest scoring team in the AFL. And this this isn't happening by accident. And we've got um, you know a hodgepodge forward line where we've got an all Australian defender playing forward. We've got a a key position player that. That I think has only just played his seventh game, and then you've got uh, you know a mix of uh, of mids and uh, sorry um, mid-sized forwards and small forwards, and yet you know of of all the things to um, you know to look at as far as Essendon is going for the year, they are scoring, um, and that's something over the last few years has been quite difficult for us. So uh, and you know and Smith along with Waller have been have been big contributors to that, not only in terms of being able to kick the goals, um, but actually just generating that chemistry and that pressure and that you know that that ability to to create opportunities in that forward line. Yeah, so we're actually currently equal fourth with the West Coast, and the only side outside the eight, other than us, to have actually, sorry, there's two sides that have breached 600 points this year, is Carlton with 620 and Adelaide with 605, and we're on, on 640. So you're right, we are a high-scoring team compared to the rest of the league, which which is nice. Obviously, if we tightened our defense a little bit more, that would that would be pre- preferable because then obviously we get a few more wins. But I'll just drag you back to one name that you mentioned while discussing Smith there, and that is, of course, Jake Stringer now. He's a bit of an enigma, uh, Jake. He's he's obviously, I'm not sure if you're aware, but he's he's definitely Darrow's uh, favourite player. So I'll just give oh. Darrow a quick shout out. I had, um, had noticed, had noticed, yeah. <laughs> and he's probably rolling his eyes at me right now, but that's okay. Um, he, he loves me deep down. I think we're starting to see the Jake Stringer that we hoped we'd get when we brought him across. I, I think he's starting to get back to that 2014, 2015 form of the Bulldogs where he has his 15, 15, 16 touches, 
you know, goes in the middle for five, ten-minute bursts, or uh, to be honest, most centre clearances at the moment, it seems, um, but also manages to kick his two or three a game. And, and I think we're starting to see him really enjoy his football. I think when he first came across, he was so concerned that he had something to prove that I'm not sure we saw him enjoying it or saw him getting the best out of himself, whereas now he seems to be in a lot happier mindset and a a better place and going back to Anzac Day again his work on Pendlebury at stoppages was just second to none they got those two quick goals Collingwood and and he took it on himself and it looks like it was probably a game plan but he really took it on himself to step in the middle and go right I'm going to stop this right now I'm going to Pendlebury we're going to turn this around Uh, so I think we're starting to see the Jake that we all hoped we'd get I think um, uh, one of the there's there's a particular moment um, that I saw from a number of weeks ago. I, I think it was the St Kilda game, but I, I could be mistaken. And this was the thing of everything I've seen from Jake Stringer that impressed me the most. Harry Jones took a mark, and he would have been on the boundary line, probably probably forty meters out from goal. It was a difficult shot, you know, that that he, that he was going to take. And you could see, being the young kid, that he was sort of a little bit uncertain as to what he should be doing in terms of. Do I go back and take a uh, to take a kick, or am I should should I be looking to pass this off? And the instant he's actually taken the mark, and you can see this confusion coming over his face, it's Stringer that's right there next to him who looks straight at him and is telling him to take his shot. Uh, and to me, it just it spoke of a man that is now comfortable in the fact that he is a genuine leader of the club, and he is. He's one of our more senior players. Uh, he's a premiership player, you know, and he's, and he's obviously one of the more experienced players that we've got. And I was I was super impressed by that because he does has have this reputation of perhaps being a bit of a selfish player or, um, you know, perhaps he's just all about himself. And to to see that, I thought, was was incredibly impressive. I, I really liked it. Harry Jones went back and he missed his shot, but it's not really the point. You know, he was given the right advice by a senior leader of the club. In terms of his own form, um, Stringer, the fact that he he's able to consistently – go back and nail, you know, those two, three goals a game, and often from difficult shots. He's a very talented player. Uh, but certainly the thing that impresses me most uh, from, from, a, from a playing perspective is I don't know, I don't know where we'd, we would be able to pull this stat from, but he has to be very, very close to the highest clearance player in the league per minutes in the midfield. He he goes into the midfield. He's, he's there. yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to pull that out any time yeah, yeah, soon. Yeah, look, it's a, it's, a, look, it's a tough one, but I mean, it, it's and it is. It's just a gut feel based on based on my observations on him. But he goes in there for five or six minutes, uh, and in that five or six minutes, he's got two or three clearances. I mean, he's he he is an absolute animal when it comes comes to the midfield. I, th- I think it's possible. You know, we we obviously got Jake Stringer. Uh, relatively cheap, based on based on the issues that he had uh, at the Western Bulldogs. We knew he was an All Australian forward, um, and I think that we, uh, as a club, we probably confused a little bit um, as to what we wanted from him. So, you know, there was obviously this talk and this this suggestion that maybe we we saw him as a, a as a pure midfielder, and you know, we did attempt to try that early in his early in his um his career at Essendon, where we effectively had him attending pretty much every every centre bounce. And you know, look, he he. he you know, I think we, we have to face facts here. He doesn't really have the tank to be doing that for you know for ninety percent game time. You know, and then obviously we we we've started playing him forward as as um you know as he'd done in his in his previous career with the Dogs, uh, and that was obviously working quite well. But I think we've now found a happy medium for him where you know he he feels comfortable in his role. He knows what he's doing. 
Uh, and I think we as fans are able to look at it, and we know what we're going to what we're going to see from him. We know he will he'll present well. We know he's a danger around the forward line, and we know that if we throw him in the midfield for those six or seven minute bursts, as I was saying before, he's going to make an impact. So yeah, he Jake Strigger would would be amongst the most impressive players I've seen this year. Uh, very impressed with him. Very happy to have him. And yeah, if he continues his form, he 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 should. Uh, be in consideration for an All Australian position. He 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 is genuinely being that good. I might uh, I might hold you to that later in the year, and we'll we'll see how the All Australians come out. I mean, you're right; he has been very good. I'm not sure. If, I mean, I, my gut instinct to say to you is I'm not sure he's been All Australian good, but at the same time, he probably has been. I mean, really, if you're going if you're going sort of three goals, two three goals a game, which is what he's doing at the moment. I mean, having said that, so is Tipper. So whether or not they continue that. We'll wait and see. I mean, I think Kyle Hooker's probably doing similar. Although, yeah, I'm actually maybe Tipper's not going. I'm, I'm looking at his stats. I'm not sure that he is going as high as what the stats. I must have read this wrong. I think. Uh, I think as far as Stringer and and you know a, a potential All Australian selection goes, I, I think the the problem he's probably going to run into there is that you know traditionally the All Australian selectors really do like to like to pick specialist players in positions. You know, and so the fact that, but I mean, look, if, he, if he's going at you know two or three goals a game and three or four clearances a game, well, you'd say he's he's one of the more effective players in the AFL. But you know, where do you actually put him if you're going to select him in an All Australian side? Is, is is probably the point I'd make. So yeah, look, I'm I'm certainly not trying to uh, not trying to predict an All Australian selection. I'm 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 simply suggesting that his that his form would probably. Sure that me and all have heard you have you have heard you declare that he's locked in for All Australian. I think you I think you know how well my predictions tend to go, mate. So, <laughs> and and just back on the tipper, he is going at two point six. He's had eighteen goals uh, scored this year, and and Hooker has had twenty one. So he's going at at three at the moment, um, we will just quickly focus more on the on, the, on a team wide focus about what went wrong on Sunday. So obviously we didn't get the points. You know Carlton did manage to to roll us. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it was to be a little bit expected. A young side coming off Anzac Day, where obviously they were up and about and and really firing. It was always going to lead to a bit of a letdown. Gain giving up a twenty point lead is not something. I'm enjoying seeing, and I think that maybe is it. Is it too simplistic to say that it's simply because they're a young side? I mean, no, I, I, yeah, I think it is. I, I think that there's a, there's a greater problem there, and this is something that we've been doing for years, um, which is you know, as a team, we we too often uh, are willing to concede five, six, seven, eight goals in a row. You know, and, and that's, that's unfortunately what's what's done us in on on Sunday as well. Yeah, I mean, we got 20 points up during that second quarter, and then. We didn't score again until early in the third when can't with ten points up and okay, people go, Oh well, it was uh, yeah, it was only twenty points and then we, we didn't let them get too far ahead. But it's a concern. I think there's a general feel to me, especially on our board, that, that our defensive work has improved this year, but we are still giving up some pretty decent scores. So it does come down to, I suppose, what is the answer? I mean, Harry Mackay got hold of us. Eddie Betts kicked three, and he's been in horrible form. We probably don't have that small lockdown defender anymore. Now that Pidge is going to the middle, and I'm not one of the ones that thinks we need to move him back into the back line. I, I think his home now and for the future must be midfield. I agree. So I'm not sure if we have somebody who can lock down at a small like Eddie Betts, and obviously we saw I mean, Guelphie does a... A- admirable job, but I don't think he's the answer. And then who goes to Mackay? I mean, Laverde again, admirable yeah. job, but is he the answer? I think, um, look, one of the things that, that people need to remember is that up until, so we played, uh, we played Zach Reed against, uh, against, was it, it was Brisbane, wasn't it? 
Joe Danaher at the first bounce. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I think um, up until we played uh, James Stewart against Carlton on the weekend, that was literally the only uh, game we've seen from a key, from a true key defender uh, this year. And, you know, that's, that's just the reality of the situation that, you know, obviously we've needed hooker forward. Um, you know, again, Hurley with, with his injuries. Uh, Brendan Zirk Thatcher has sort of been in and out of the side. Um, so, look, I mean, I, I think that there's uh, – there's a, a glass half full perspective there is, okay, yes, we are conceding some scores, but, you know, we have been fairly heavily hit from an injury perspective um, in, in, in the defensive half. I mean, we, we are going into games where we're having, you know, Aaron Francis and, um, uh, and Jordan Ridley and Jaden Laverde and, you know, Mason Redmond to, to, to an extent as well, where we're asking these guys to man these, you know, there's effectively 200 centimetre forwards. So um, that's, that's one thing there. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the defence is also relatively young in terms of, you know, who we have in that sort of you know, that best eight uh, defenders that we have. Yeah, your, your point about locking down uh, on small forwards is probably valid, but, we, you know, we do have uh, a number of players that we're developing at the moment which could likely take on that role. And the one that comes to mind for me at the moment is Ned Cahill, who I, who I still think is genuinely exciting young talent and... Um, you know, and could potentially fill that role in the future. So, yeah, look, it's uh, it's. I think I think for me, the reason I probably sound so optimistic in that regard is I feel as a as a football side, we seem to have moved past these empty words that you know that we've possibly heard from from previous coaches and football people in the past. And you know, the one that makes me shudder still to this day is learnings. You know, so you know, I feel like we are actually taking the experience that we're taking from these games. These kids are learning how to play the game. So, yeah, look, much as I would, I'd love to win every game, you know, if the reason we're losing some games is because we are conceding too much. I, I, I feel like that's something that we will see an improvement on, not just years into the future. I'm, I'm still of the belief that Essendon is likely to play its best football late in the year. Yeah, I mean, you just I think that's possibly going to be our biggest hole at the moment is, is that tall, big defender. As you said, we have lacked the key defender this year. I mean, Charlie Dixon, Eric Hipwood. Is it Darcy Cameron from Collingwood, the big tall? Yeah, 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 it is. You know, all, all, all those sort of blokes, to a degree, have got hold of us. I mean, they've all kicked you know, three or four goals this year so it is is definitely a concern but you are right it does appear they are learning roles and i'm not sure cahill is the answer i don't think i necessarily agree with you on that one but um, we will wait and see i mean he does appear to me to have a good goal sense but i'm not sure that he has that that same ability at the other end of the ground and i'm not sure he's quick enough to go with the camerons or, or you know an eddie betts in his prime type but having said that um bagley certainly wasn't the quickest player in the world but he managed to to certainly make up for his lack of pace in his prime. We are sort of coming to the end of, of where we want to be tonight. So I will, we will just touch briefly on uh, the GWS game. What do you think we're going to see on, on Saturday? I mean, GWS obviously are in red-hot form now after thumping the Crows last week. They they lost to the Bulldogs, I suppose, earlier, but the Bulldogs are red-hot. So whether or not we take too much out of that one, it sort of depends on, on your view, I suppose. Um, they certainly they beat Sydney and Collingwood prior to that. So they may be a pretty tough task for us, especially up there. I think uh, I think a lot of people at the moment are overlooking the amount of talent that still exists on that list. You know, I, I know... And I would probably agree with the idea that that you know proverbial or figurative premiership window has probably closed for them, but they still have a significant talent on that list, uh, and particularly they state they have a a very good representation of very good or elite midfielders. So I think where we're likely to come unstuck on the weekend is is probably through the midfield. I I am 
you know, as we've mentioned with it, you know, in our discussions with, you know, or about Darcy Parrish and Jake Stringer, I, I think that we have, you know, we've got our own weapons there, but I think we're probably a little bit outgunned as far as that's concerned. I think also the fact that we will either be playing um, a second gamer in uh, in Nick Bryan uh, or a guy whom, whilst I have a lot of affection for, really is just a, a very, very good VFL ruckman and, and passable AFL ruckman in, uh, um, in, in Phillips, you know, effectively leading that midfield as well, I think is is, is probably uh, a warning sign for us. So, you know, if we are if we are getting beaten uh, out of the middle, uh, as we've already touched on, we, we we are conceding some scores at the moment. So, I would suspect that um, the smart money would be on that we're probably likely to uh, to to suffer a loss this weekend. My my hope is that we don't do this uh, this thing of conceding that six or seven goals in, in a row at any stage during the game. Uh, and certainly I'd like to see us going toe-to-toe with uh, with that midfield and, 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 and you know, hopefully getting some wins there. So, uh, yeah, look, I don't think we'll win, but that's okay. It doesn't mean there's nothing to be taken from the game. Yeah, I certainly agree with you when you say that GWS's window has closed. But if you consider the riches of talent they've actually lost from the club and then you look at their list and they've still got Taranto, Whitfield, Hopper, you know, Josh, Josh Kelly, um, Toby Green, even Tom Green, you know, Callum Ward, it's still a pretty impressive list. And if Jesse Hogan is actually going to make the most of his second or third chance, depending on how you look at it, then geez, they are not necessarily going to be down for a very long time. I, and I think they do have some more academy players coming through at some point that will definitely help. Am I correct in thinking that they are also holding Collingwood's first rounder at the moment? They absolutely are because Collingwood gave that up, assuming they would be towards somewhere towards the middle or the top of the ladder. And therefore, they will just lose that pick immediately to get to Dacos. Having said that, at this stage, I'm not sure if North Melbourne would take Dacos at once. So Collingwood may very well have managed to keep their first and get Dacos. They potentially could have had their cake and eaten it too. But I mean, if it was easy to predict the future of a football club, then we'd all be multi-millionaires and Sportsbet would be out of business. I think uh, I think we could sit here and talk for another half an hour just on Collingwood. But I, I think uh, the, the click happy media is doing that well enough for us at the moment. Yeah, exactly right. Now, as I said, we, we won't touch too long the GWS game because we are starting to run out of time. Um, and Beerfish is obviously re- managing to edit this for us. So we'll give him a shout out. And he's probably sick of hearing our voices. And he's probably sick of hearing our voices. Probably sick of hearing our voices. Probably sick of hearing our voices this year. I would say our position where we are at the moment, which is, of course, 15th. It's probably around the mark. I don't really see us going higher or lower. I think we'll still beat, you know, North Melbourne, probably pinch a game, you know, against a, a Fremantle, who I think is going to be competing for that top eight position. And obviously the, against the other lower teams, I still think we'll win. But what are your thoughts? Do you think we're going to see finals this year at an absolute? No, no. I Look, I, I think, um, <laughs> what, what, are, what are we sitting at now? We're, we're, we're two and five and, you know, we're, we're not looking likely to to, uh, to take the league by storm anytime soon. So I think, you know, whilst there might be some wildly optimistic fans out there that are, that are holding out that mathematical hope that we can make it, it's not going to happen. I, I do think, as I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago that we're probably likely to play our best football towards the end of the year. So, you know, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's unreasonable for us to maybe snatch five or six of our last 10 games, you know, depending on, and obviously I'll um, take that with a giant grain of salt without looking at the fixture as to what it looks like at the end of the year. So look, I don't think it's unreasonable for us to, to think that, you know, like 11th or 12th, you know, might not be too much of a stretch for us. And, you know, if we do 
uh, happen to finish off the year like that, I think that's that's going to give us a heap of confidence going into next year. Now that we've seen, you know, some of the talent that we've got, and I think uh, just about everybody's in love with uh, with Nick Cox and, and Archie Perkins. But I got to tell you what, I am live in the work of Harry Jones at the moment. Me as well. They are obviously our bright future, and we will touch more on those guys next week. The other thing I will just mention is I do believe that we only travel maybe once or twice towards the back end of the year. We definitely have West Coast over there. Maybe we have Gold Coast up there as well. But with GWS this week. I think we've done most of our travel already, which will be a nice little bonus for us. The other thing to keep in mind going into the back end of the year is we may see the return of of a Dylan Shield, maybe a Sam Draper, depending on it. I hope. I, I mean, I hope if there's any doubt on it, we put them in cotton wool because obviously finals is not something we're competing for, and I'm not sure that, that winning the odd gamer here or here or there just to try and get a sneak up into eleventh or tenth is is really something that we desperately need to be doing. I think as a club, we're well aware of where we are, even though there was a Carlton poster on the board earlier in the week trying to tell us that because the club hasn't actually officially used the R word, it's not actually a rebuild, um, which is one of the more bizarre takes I've ever heard because I can't recall Carlton ever using the, the R word in official capacity. But that's just Carlton fans for you. They, uh, uh, they, they should rename, rename that club rebuild. That's all they've been doing for 25 years. <laughs> so I will ask you two more questions and I just want one word answers. Okay. Uh, so that is... Best and fairest winner? Parish. And leading goal kicker? Carl you would think. Yeah, I think I'll go with both of those as well. I mean, Tiff and Woody, it would be nice to see a small forward win the uh, the goal kicking award, but you never know. Um, I, I think Kale certainly certainly has the tools to, to get the job done. And and if if he gets his way, if Law gets her way, he may end up winning the Coleman. I think she's very keenly uh, updating that for us each week. So it would be very good to see Kale get the get the Coleman at, at what, 33, 34. Um, now, just on future podcasts, if there are any listeners out there that would like to join, we are not scary. We have done this a little bit off the cuff tonight rather than trying to do a, a set script, so to speak, or a set agenda. So that's why we probably spent longer on some topics than, than we'd intended, but that was just the nature. This is more of a sample, just to, just to let everybody know what it's like to come on. But if you do want to come on, by all means, join in. We're certainly happy to have, have you join in. Alternatively, if you don't want to be on, but there are questions or topics you'd like to discuss, we also take ideas. This is something we're hoping to do for the board, not just for us. So by all means, if you have any suggestions at all, feel free to let us know. But... Any final words from you, Jade, before we sign off? No, I think we're uh, I think we're all good. That's a good start for everyone, and um, hopefully uh, we get some uh, some engagement from from other posters and um, uh, and get a few more ideas coming in. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I just uh, I hope everyone else doesn't try and aspire to you know to to the grandiose heights that I'm able to display in these sort of things. So um, <laughs> don't don't stress yourself if you can't reach these sort of magnetic heights. But uh, we'd love to hear from you anyway. Yes, I will just sign off by saying this is not a professional performance at all. So once again, don't feel scared to put your hand up. But that will do us all. So thank you very much, and we will speak to you again next week. See you later.